They seem a lot less like jackals when you're talking to them. Are you excited? Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Merlin. I'm, I'm super duper excited. How's it going? It's all right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you lose the, you lose the percentium effect when you got all that grab ass before the show. Perse- hmm? Can I Google that? How do you spell that? Percentium. P-R-O-S-C-E-N-I-U-O-U-P-R-I. Oh, I don't know that word. Prosecco. The percentium effect. Percentium. Procenium. P-R-O-S-C-E-N-I-U-M. I'm guessing it's Latin. Um, Proscenium. Proscenium. Yeah. Different yeah. from perineum. Is that that, uh, that's that little spot near your taint? A proscenium is the area of a theater surrounding the stage opening. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Proscenium effect is the, uh, is hmm. the, is what, let, let, hmm. Hmm. You want to start? It's well, the part where you can tell it's a stage because it's got a stage look to it. You know what I'm saying? Percentium effect. It's like, you know, you don't see Bill Cosby like, like you know, just moping around on stage before the show starts because it, it kills the percentium effect. <laughs> but right, but the people who download this as a podcast, they have no idea. You see, you see Cosby just come out and go, mm, siblings, siblings. <laughs> that would be great. And the man is standing there with the microphone and he's making the face like, ah. I would tune in for that. Oh my God, I love Bill Cosby so much. He's done a lot of silly stuff, but, you know, he's one of those guys... Where, like, if you just took, like, three things that he's done, he mm-hmm. would still be, like, an immortal, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to Bill Cosby growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Are the one about the dentist, the dentist thing? The dentist one? That was my um, favorite one. I liked, uh, I started out as a child, and to brother, my, to Russell, my brother whom I slept with. Russell Crowe? And, uh, no, no, I think you're thinking 300. Gladiator <laughs> was way better. Is that, that's the one that uh, was written by Gore Vidal? Is that Al Gore? Who Vida, I think of? you're thinking of Vidal Sassoon. The Gore sisters, are they both married at this point? How many were there? Were three Gore sisters? There's Al Gore, it's the first sister. Al Gore, you got uh, Chipper, and... Uh, and Fang, Fangora is the last one. Lusty Jack. Wow. Presenium Effect, Bill Cosby, uh, big week, huge week. Huge week. Giant week. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about your week. The holidays are over. You've got to be so happy. No. Okay. You I should have just I should have just gone into suspended animation before they started and came up afterwards. Everything would be much, much, much better. You would be like what, like Flash Frozen? I don't care. I don't care if I was you drowned. Know, you just want to be however it happens, you want to not even see it coming like a train. Mm-hmm. You're out. And then eventually you wake up later, you say what day is it, and you get back to work like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Uh so big week, huge week. Uh you were flash frozen or you wish you had been. We should we should move on. Let's move you, on. You don't want to talk about the holidays. No reason to. Hmm. Using only single words. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Um, have you ever gotten a void comp? Is that something you've ever got like when you were in uh, in school? Were you ever tested at all? How do you spell that? Exactly. You sound just like Leon. Tell me about hmm. your mother. <laughs> Using only single words. Turtle, uh, tortoise is like a turtle. What do you mean mm-hmm. I'm not helping? <laughs> you think it's what people tune in for? Yes. This is a big week. It's a huge week. Uh, in a little. This is our hundredth episode, and we've decided One, to do a, a special. Oh, yeah. We're trying to give something back to the listeners. Mm-hmm. It's a century of back to work. That's right. Mm-hmm. Annus Cerebralis. I think that's Latin too. Um. So we're gonna uh, take. I've been looking at some toots from people. What we do is we ask people to. Uh, uh, see if they have any questions, you know, or they just maybe they want to, you know, call in and uh, 
you know, play some grab ass, but you can call into the show and uh, you can ask questions. I got some questions people have asked on Twitter. Not many questions, Dan. I got to be honest. I think people don't have any questions. There, there's like five questions. So, I mean, we might be able to, you know, wrap up early and uh, go out to the uh, salty joint. What's it called? What's the place you're getting oh, barbecue? Oh, the Salt Lake? I, we're not going there unless a, a listener brings us some. He flies there. That's right. 30 minutes down south from here. Two, 30 minutes. And these shoes? Oh. Um, and so I hope that's what we'll do. And so are we all set up for people to call in if they want to? Yeah, they can call in right now. The phone number is to dial. Same one that we use on Quit. It's 512-518-5714. Did, we, did you tweet that? Did you tweet the number? I tweeted it, yeah. And okay. uh, I don't think that spells anything because it's got too many ones. Does it smell anything cool? I don't think it's got too many ones. Huh. No, it's the right number. Okay, good. No, I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't spell like, you know, you know, WD Danbot or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Okay, so quick, uh, quick uh, follow-up pre-up. We have to uh, tell, talk a little bit about, about comics quickly. Tomorrow. Are you still up for tomorrow? Oh, definitely. I'm so pumped. Tomorrow. I have every issue. <laughs> you have the entire opus of eight issues of Saga. All of them, every one from the first one. I also have the second one. Hmm. Uh, I picked up the third one, Did all the way the like that one? through so through eight through, through the, the eighth through the eighth one. You dropped the ocho. Um, I don't want to know what you think yet because we got to save it for tomorrow. But tomorrow, well, it's uh, good because I haven't finished reading them. That's cool. Um, you and I and our friend uh, Moises Moises Chuyon, uh, which is his real name. I just, that's frankly not credible. Mm -mm. That's not. That's I told not him, it. you know, if, if anybody needs a stage name, it's you. Yeah. You know, a guy like Merlin Mann shows up. He's born into the, into the stage, if you will. Of the Dan Benjamin, I can't tell you how often I go places and, you know, it's excluding the latte name thing where I just always tell people I'm Bob. Anywhere where I've actually got to give my name to somebody, they say, is that your real name? Is that a <laughs> stage name? <laughs> I'm like, if I was going to come up, if I were coming up with a stage name, don't you think I would try to get, I would be like, you know, Johnny Bulbous or something. I would have oh, like wow. a really cool name. I have, I have the ultimate stage name. It's also a name that I use when I check into a hotel and want to be left alone. You wish. Uh, and I will not tell you what that is. Okay. But it's right. a great name. Alec Baldwin was talking about this on his, uh, on his program. I got a few here that I haven't really found a good name for yet. Uh, a good, good place for, uh, Kel Dimash. A Roscoe Green, Skip Intro, I keep a list. Uh, Fanny B. Tender, great Bee Gees reference. Mm -hmm. Wayne Dunbar, Taffy Lewis, Romana Clay, very clever and Latin. Soto Voce, Feral Cats. That was, that's a way home. <laughs> that's a really good one. Feral Cats, pretty <laughs> I good. I like that one. Yeah. Roscoe Green and Carter uh, Scratch. You want to take a call? Um, tomorrow, we're going to be on the Comic Shack with our friend Moises talking about Saga. And I just want to make sure we talk about it because I've been... Saga, uh, Saga telling people about it and uh, I'm excited to talk about that. So that'll be, are we just going to, are we going to skip over 700 totally? You want to skip over it? You should, maybe we should save it for somewhere else. I, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm certainly not as angry as you are about Spider-Man 700, but I have, as you know, some serious questions. Mm -hmm. Should we skip over it? Yes. Okay. Let's get to, well, how about this? If the calls don't pan out, then we can talk about that for the rest of the episode. Okay. We got a call from uh, Indiana, 14 minutes oh. on hold. Go ahead, caller. All right, let's go. I'm sorry, that's your job, Dan. Go ahead. No, I don't ahead, say Dan. I don't say that except to you. Listen, what's this going on in the background with this one? That's what Indiana sounds like. Hi, Indiana. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's uh, Jason from Baldwin's Beans. Oh, come on, Jason Baldwin's Beans. That's Dan. This is Jason from Baldwin's Beans. He sent us some coffee. 
He sent me some fantastic coffee. Smells pretty good, too. We ground it in this special burr grinder that uh, Marco insisted we get. And and so, Jason, are you still on pause for new orders? I saw a thing where you said you were uh, taking a break for a while. Did you uh, did you break your roaster or what happened? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to get it fixed. I can go back to the old school way with the... I was, uh, I was totally kidding. Did you actually did your roaster actually break? <laughs> Do you hear that banging sound in the background? That's his roaster failing to turn. <laughs> oh, no, that sucks. Are you being honest? I am absolutely honest. Oh, dude, that sucks. So I can go back to the old school way with the uh, the heat gun and the guts of a bread machine, which seems absolutely barbaric. But It must um, must be hard to go back. It's like having pro tools, like not, not the audio thing, but like if you're a mechanic and you've got really good tools and then you've got to go back to using a Leatherman to like fix your Ferrari. It must be super frustrating. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know that I have much of a question because I'm, you know, trying to get the coffee thing off the ground and make it my primary thing because I've learned from Dan that if you love something, you have to give 100% to make it successful. So that's what I'm trying to do. I don't do know if remember, Merlin do agrees. Merlin doesn't did? agree with that. Merlin does not I agree. I don't 100% agree, but, but Jason, do you, remember, do you remember what I believe is the very first time that we met? Like, I remember. Do you remember? I do remember. We had, a, we, had a, we had a great conversation about this very topic, what, like two or three years ago? Yeah. That's me. That was me, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, and we talked about uh, doing your own thing, and you were thinking about, I think at the time you were thinking about doing, like, letterpress stuff. Is that right? Yeah, I was thinking about it, but uh, I have decided that uh, the world of design is not where I want to be anymore. Oh, man. Um, it's, a, it's a tough racket. <laughs> Um, it but, is, and I'm, you know, you know, I'm pushing 40 and competing with kids at a college who can take, you know, 15 grand a year and still live with mom and dad. So yeah. design, I mean, it's so funny. I have so many friends who, uh, are, have done design are starting to do design or are at the point where they're losing it because it, it's so competitive. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just, like you say, I mean, there's like so many people who will always work for less. It's almost like a Hollywood situation. But, you know, I mean, you make great coffee and you're doing your own thing. Uh, I'm probably hijacking your question here, but, but uh, you're, you're, you're an uh, inspiring example of the kind of uh, thing that people can do, I think. I mean, you make some, some good-ass coffee. Dang it. I'm trying to stop cursing. Um, <laughs> you make very good coffee. And so do you think that's going to get fixed? Is that something you do with hand tools? How do you fix that? I'm working with the, the manufacturer right now. I'm using a home roaster, which I really shouldn't be doing, but... Uh, you got to start somewhere, right? Is that sanitary? It's absolutely sanitary. Okay. Yeah. So, well, uh, is there anything you want to anything you want to share with the audience? Um, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, well, I, I, really I, I um, to say- it's. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail. We met at uh, Max FunCon, right? sitting out by the fire and we talked about stuff and we've kept in touch in touch since then, you know, on and off. But, um, I, I don't know, man, like I, I'm, I'm not about to sit here and go like, yo, you know, you're the poster boy or whatever, but you're exactly the kind of person that like we hope to positively reach with the show. I'm not, not, not to like claim any part of this, but like, it's, I just think it's super cool. You're doing that. And it's, is it, let me ask you this. Do you feel, Hmm, life is funny, but like just from the career and professional standpoint, do you feel better off now than you did then? Uh, this, or how, what's, 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 what's differently hard now? 
It's completely terrifying because much like freelance work, there's no guaranteed paycheck. The the food business is a, a fickle thing. So, you know, one day I may have an order for one bag of coffee or after it gets mentioned on a very popular podcast, I might get 20 orders. Right. And you, you can't just scale that up in an afternoon. No, because I, you know, it's still just me, you know, printing my own labels and bagging it up and going to the post office and. What's that? Uh, what's that typeface? What typeface is that? Uh, that's a good question. All right, we got about 10 other calls banked up here, so we're going to have to let you go, dude. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, Jason, thanks for... I'm sorry, I'm new to this, so I keep interrupting you. But I'm glad you called, and everybody tell them what your your URL is for when your uh, roaster's fixed. uh, Baldwinsbeans.com. It'll be up on uh, Monday, I hope. Baldwin's Beans. Well, thanks for calling, Jason, man. Let's uh, keep in touch, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. I've got a lot of calls on here. People want to talk to you, man. All right, we'll go fast. We'll go fast. We'll we'll be like almost rudely fast. Especially because I'm banging in the background. What was that? Dan. Eye of the Tiger. All right. This this one's from from New York. Where are they? In a restaurant? Hello? Yeah. Hi, who's this? My name is Henry. Hi, Henry. How's it going? It's great. Uh, long-time jackal, first-time caller, calling during my lunch break, and I'm going to leave the restaurant right now because it means more talk to you guys. Um, all 100%, as they say. Um, so my question is, I'm trying to get into GTD, and I've got the book. I've listened to all the recent episodes. I'm reading Saga, if that helps. I'm not sure if it does. But um, my question is, I'm not the fastest reader in general, and the corporate speak is a little hard to get through. If you had any advice for sticking with actually the reading part of the GTD, because I know this isn't about improving my reading skills and whatever, but it's sort of um, having a little bit of trouble hitting through with the first couple chapters, and it's sort of um, not my way of, not the language I'm used to reading, I guess. No, I think I think you're absolutely onto something, and I, um, it's funny, because the first time I read it, it I, I guess it kind of glossed over me. I didn't notice it, but um, as much as I've enjoyed each reread, I more and more do notice exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, this is a guy who, what, he's worked with, like, I guess, like Goldman Sachs and Target and all these companies, and I think he's very steeped in a certain kind of business patois that can be a little bit impenetrable or sometimes a little bit, it can feel, I don't want to say plastic, but plastic. Um, and so I guess what I would say is, um, if you're already like on board with the inspiration part, if you're like gung ho to start it, I would focus, um, and I mean, when you're up for it, I would say, go ahead and read it all the way through if you can, cause it is, it is important to get into the altitudes and that kind of stuff. But if you're looking to do a quick yeah. start, I would say focus on the, uh, the workflow. I think that's one big chapter, but, um, I would say read that one twice because that becomes very important. You'll, you'll need to fill in those cracks with all the other stuff, but the workflow is so core, in my opinion, to the way GTD works that a lot of the other stuff, um, I mean, it's all important. I mean, it's like I say, it's an all-in-one system, but that's, that's what I would focus on. And there are things like those great little diagrams that can help out, but I mean, once you start, here's the neat part, is once you start putting it in place, if that workflow works for you, um, then you might find the language in the, you know, a little more tolerable, but does that help? Yes, and um, just one thing: Would you give any one X Men TPB the best starting place to go going as far back in time? 
Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, if you're only going to buy one, and Dan, I'd, I'd love to know your opinion on this if you have one. Yeah. I know you're not a huge X-Men fan. Um, personally, if you're only going to buy one X-Men TPB, first of all, shame on you, but... And then go forward. <laughs> no, no, no. Then, then go forward. I don't I'm just kidding. Fun. I'm just kidding. I would start with Astonishing X-Men Gifted by uh, Joss Whedon and... Uh, what's what's what what's started, what, do you, what do you think so far? Have uh, you looked at it yet? Oh, I like it a lot. I, read, I got the first TPB, and I have the second one right now. It's just the, the Adventure Time and the new Fiona and Cake and Saga and Scarlet. And I found myself... Hey, good for you. The, the new you Fiona guys. and Cake is a riot. Have you seen this yet, Dan? No, I haven't The new it. Adventure Time, uh, this is not a spoiler. It's a new, like, a five-issue uh, five series. The genders have been reversed on every character. And now instead of Finn and Jake, it's Fiona and Kate. No, I saw the cartoon, the episode where that happened, but I didn't oh, know Oh, I haven't a, seen that. I haven't seen that, but it's, that. but it's a right. But I would say, yeah, I would say start, uh, you're in the right place to start. And for what, it's worth sticking with it. I think the second one is good. The third one is uh, very good. And the fourth one, I want to say Unstoppable, is a, a real heart-wrenching it's 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 not. I mean, to me, gifted is the best of those. But those are those are all good places to start. You have great taste, man. You have awesome taste, Thank and you. uh, you're scared of douche talk, which is you know shows you're off to a good start. Good what, news, are you, what are you going to have for lunch today? Do you know what you're eating? Sorry. Do you know what you're having for lunch today? Have you have you picked a, an entree? Oh no, I'm eating a practically paleo vegan salad at Chipotle because that's the only thing near my office that's even sufferable. Ugh. Well, uh, stick with it. Yeah. Thanks for the call, man. I'm I appreciate it. Your diet. Have a great day, Merlin, and have a great okay. day, Dan. Thanks for all you guys done, and proud Jackal over here. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Take Thanks. care. Take care. Isn't that a nice man? That's sweet, sweet man. Good taste. Should we take another call, Dan? Yeah, why don't we just take calls? I, uh, is this awkward? Is this awkward, Dan? No, I like it's it. different. It's definitely different. I like hearing you interact with the, uh, with the Jackals. Can I tell you a secret about me? Go ahead, caller. We cut this out? Thank you. Uh, first time admitter. Um, I actually like people a lot. I know you do. No, I mean, I, it's stupid and like you'll cut all this out, but I actually really do like people. I know I seem like a horrible misanthrope, but you know. Anyway, uh, where's the next jerk? I'll just See, take them in order of how long they've been on hold. Go. We'll go. Let's go blast through these. Go. All right. Done. Hey. Hey, is the caller hey, there? Who is this? Can everyone hear me? Yeah, hey, we yeah, did. Fine. Um, can I, you can hear me? You sound fantastic. Who is this? I do. Awesome. Hey, this is Andrew Crusoe. Um, I'm a longtime listener, longtime GTDer. Um, I've followed 43 Folders, been a huge fan of your writing for a long time. And I got to see you speak when you came to UW Madison. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I totally. Really... Was that the night Dead Mouse was playing? Yeah. Maybe that yeah, was when I was in Connecticut. But there was one night I got totally housed by this uh, Dead Mouse character. I don't think I might yep. have been there. That was it. That was you it. remember the bomb scare? The bomb scare in the Capitol? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you still had a good turnout. It was that was a lot of fun. Um, I uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, first, before I forget anything, um, Dan, I'm loving Quit. I feel like I get to know you more on that show, and um, I'm waiting for that Big Lebowski showing so I can meet you in person in Austin sometime. I don't know if that's going to happen. It is. It is rumor. It is definitely going to happen. <laughs> thanks for the compliment awesome. too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool because I feel like I've been following Merlin a lot more than you, and through through the network, it's. You're, you're both awesome people, but anyway, um, my question is, I recently self-published a science fiction adventure novel on Amazon through the Kindle program, and I was wondering if Merlin's ever considered self-publishing. I know he's got, you know, the, the book project that's kind of been on hold, and I've been a huge fan of your writing for a long time, Merlin. I think you're, that's one of, the, I know you like speaking more, but I think that's also <laughs> a gift you have. 
<laughs> and, no, um, I, ab- I, absolutely. I mean, thank you for saying that. And I have, I mean, I'm still, um, I'm still pretty crispy from the whole experience with the abortive yeah. book project, but, um, yeah. I've thought a lot about it. And when I look at, well, I remember um, you had problems with your cover and you were fighting back and forth. And my, my thing I like about self-publishing is it gives you c- complete control. You know, a lot right. of people who are high profile authors have chosen that route because they get complete control and you could still hire a professional editor, but you get more control and you get to keep more of the revenue too. A hundred, a hundred percent. And like, uh, just there's two angles on that. One is that for myself, if and when and if I ever decide to do it, I kind of can't imagine another route. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, oh. for really good reasons, publish a book with a, you know, some kind of a publisher because of the whatever the there, maybe there's money, but I think often there's prestige. <laughs> and as an yeah, as a speaker guy, I can say that like they don't really care if you're a writer; they care if you're an author. So if you've written a book, that makes a difference. Mm. But my objection to writing a book for so many years, or my you know my first thought was well. I mean, this sounds really self-involved, but there wasn't really, maybe my, maybe my needs are modest, but there weren't that many doors that I couldn't jam open one way or another. It was, you know what I mean? It was, it's a lot of work for what you get. But having said that, yes, I think the self-publishing thing is amazing. I listen to enough NPR to know that there's a lot of people who are scoring some serious dough with it. But I think Good my point. challenge right now is figuring out what, you know, within that format, I mean, again, look at people like David Sparks and, you know, Brett Terpstra with what, you know, David's been doing this great work with, um, what's called the, uh, iBooks. What's it called? What's the, um, what's that app? The publisher app? Yeah, I, I, iBooks app, right? Uh, iBook publisher? Yeah. I guess so. Author? Yeah. I that's a good, that's a good name for it. Yeah. But uh, it's terrific. Yeah. But to me, it's, a, well, I think I'm, I'm very interested in thinking about publishing something non-book length <laughs> as a book. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know, part of my non-book challenge was trying to book. figure I'm out. I'm not sure if I understand that, actually. Um, well, a book, when you sign a book contract with somebody, you agree to have it be this many pages long. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, most yeah. people, if you get a publishing deal, they're not going to want a 50-page book. That's not going no <laughs> to fit it. And I find that the kinds of things, if, I, if and when I do do that... And I don't know if I'll do do that, but if I do do that, it'll be something where like, I, I feel much more comfortable writing. I think I'm a middle distance runner. I'm a, I'm a sprinter okay. to middle distance runner. I'm not a like novella, novella length. If it were maybe hard to around 15,000, yeah. 10,000. But, but to your point though, first of all, I wish you great luck with it. And second, um, yeah, I think it's a great way to go. And I kind of can't imagine doing it another way at this point, you know, it's wow. the, the market's so weird, but Anyway, I hope you have great luck with it. Science fiction, uh, go ahead and pimp it. What's the, what's the name of it? Oh, it's called uh, The Truth Beyond the Sky. It's a science fiction adventure with, uh, with a little bit of philosophy in there. And uh, it's on Amazon. The paperback's coming out soon, but the Kindle's out right now. And uh, Oh, before I forget, and thanks for letting me mention it. Um, sure. You guys are awesome. I'm, I, I'm seriously, I'm coming out, and you're going to do the Lebowski thing, and it's going to be amazing. But um, I'm, I'm un- also wondering if uh, if you're still doing the Watt Roderick on the line index cards. I sent you a letter way back you know in what? August. I suck. I have so many of those, <laughs> and I'm so behind. I'm absolutely still you, doing it. I just had to say it. No, 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 no. They, they stare at me every day. And just, it's not just Roderick on the line. I'm trying to fulfill everyone's requests. But uh, I, I got really jammed up with stuff and I feel terrible because people sent all these. And I'm still going to do it. Uh, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Ringo Starr is still answering his fan mail from 1964. It's like, I, I feel like I, I'm going to get to every single one of these. It's just that, you know, procrastination is kind of a, a jerk. But I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, cool, we've got to take cool. another call. I, I so thank you so much for calling. Happen, say say hi to everybody you, up there Thanks so much, me. you guys. Love you guys. Take, oh, we love you too. Take care, buddy. Nice guy. Nice fella. You know, science fiction. 
a tough racket. Yeah, I used to be a salesman. This is weird, Dan. There's other people on the show. I don't think we've ever done this before. No, I had taken calls like this? Yeah. No, how about Colorado next? Colorado, you're on the line. All right, Colorado, go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks. Um, Long-time corporate stooge, first-time caller. <laughs> uh, so first I want to say, Merlin, I started my current job five years ago, and on day one I had the privilege to see you talk to everybody uh, inside my role at the company, and that really changed my life. The ideas of time, attention, and care are things that I carry with me every day, and uh, the way I work and the way I live is completely different now for that. So thank you so much. Thank you, man. Where, uh, if you, can you say, you don't want to say what company it was, but it was somewhere that I was doing a talk? Um, it's a, uh, yeah, I'd rather not say it's a big company in California. Okay, they, do they do things with computers? I, I, I sell computers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I know which one. Well, thanks, thanks for saying that, man. That's, that's super cool of you to say. What's, um... What, um, just out of curiosity, like as you've worked closer to getting, uh, toward a place where you want to be, like, um, I don't know, like what's, uh, I'm always, you know, the question I always like to ask people is like, what's hard for you right now, Dan, you want to take that one? What's, um, like, you know, in what you're trying to do right now, what, uh, what difficulties do you have? Or like, what are your, what are you facing right now? That's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, five years is, is a pretty long stretch. I got the job when I was 26. Um, and I really feel like I have a career right now. It's it's kind of crazy, and I, I really like it. And it's incredibly challenging, incredibly terrifying, and uh, awesome every day. And I really feel like my particular role uh, is genuinely important for humanity. So that's a bonus. And, yeah, um, the challenges that I'm facing today are exactly kind of what my question is about. So, you know, I work very, very closely um, with just a small handful of people in a team and uh, one person in particular, we work really well together when we're clicking. Um, tactically, we do a great job together. Uh, we look at strategy very differently. And I, you know, Inbox Zero completely changed my, my life in terms of productivity. I send and receive tons and tons of email. Sometimes it feels like I just do email professionally, um, although a lot of my work is face-to-face, too. And, you know, so this person has a tendency to um, be extraordinarily reactive and kind of, it, this is one of these people with 50 priorities. And she always believes that the management will uh, lavish priorities uh, constantly. And, and so while I take, I, I feel a little bit more of a holistic response to exactly the same problem, um, we end up getting in these conflicts where it, it takes a while to communicate out to each other exactly what's going on and, and how to get around that. So what I'm struggling with is trying to basically work with this person better um, when our, our philosophies on uh, kind of overall strategy differ so wildly. And, you know, I sort of perceive them as being uh, more reactive and, and kind of less uh, holistic in terms of looking at what should be done next. Uh, so I think it's a good question. And uh, I think it's something a lot of people struggle with, in, including me. Um, I would say try to figure out the nature of what you, you don't see the same way. Um, and so, I mean, if we had longer to talk, I'd walk you through that. But what I would say is figure out, is it a, um, 
somewhat superficial difference in approach to communication. Not superficial, but do you know what I mean? Like, is it a difference in the way that some people like to send lots of short emails or a few long emails or they want to have a call or, you know, so forth? Is it something that can be addressed by considering how you take the medium differently? Uh, two, could it be something where that person feels way more, whether validly or not, feels way more overwhelmed by you and is kind of freaking out? Um, is it is it something where, um, I'm trying to think how to put this, uh, a lot of times when two people work together, you know, it's like sort of like the thing with the guys holding, you know, different parts of the elephant or the camel or whatever. I mean, sometimes we're trying to solve the same problem different ways, but we want to make sure we're trying to solve the same problem. And so, you know, what are the, I guess what I'm asking is, and this is just what I would ask you to consider is like, what are the intangibles that may not be obvious? The, 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 the jerky Merlin man question would be, what does that person think about you and your approach? You know what I mean? Like if you were to try and meet them 51%, what would you offer up to try and make it better? And, uh, and I guess, you know, I guess yeah, it's a two way street as they say, but I mean, understanding those differences and acknowledging them can be scary. But when you do that, I think you kind of can help but get more empathy for the other people. You know what I mean? Like when my kid makes noise, I don't mind when another kid makes noise, it's crazy making, but that's kind of how humans are. So I would, you know, I, I would, uh, I would do an offsite with them, go somewhere, go to, go to TGI Fridays and maybe, maybe just chat about a small thing you could do to make something better. It's not going to be super emotional. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, uh, empathy I've found is a huge part of it. And the communication mode is huge too. I mean, we live in the same city, but we work from different locations. Um, and so often just picking up the phone and calling is <laughs> enormously better than emailing, obviously. I can't even um, tell and, you and how often to... how often I do that. I, I, I don't like getting random phone calls, but I do this with Dan sometimes. I mean, it's, it's just the best, I mean, in a good way. Like we end up just saying, hey, look, if we're going to schedule this thing, like for example, anytime I got to schedule something, you know, it really is easier to get two people on a phone for three minutes if you can pull it off and just come up with something, you know, between you. If, you, if you've had trouble doing that before, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I've said this before, but I think some people, um, I've been, some of the companies that I've talked at, spoken at, they are so comfortable with a high volume of email that it's gone beyond just being effective at communication and it's become like a bunch of people in little tiny alcoves just throwing words at each other, you know? And sometimes I think people lose track of the fact that they're actually trying to accomplish something because they've gotten so good at email that they may not be solving problems. I don't know if that answers it, but we should probably take another call. But, but, but thanks for calling and thanks for your nice words. Thank you guys so much. I love you. Uh, we love you too. Thanks, man. Well, I'll say I love you. I don't know if you do, Dan. No, I don't know him that well. Yeah. You doing okay over there? You got some food? I'll eat. I'll eat after the show. I am too. I'm, what are you going to have? Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't decided. I'll probably just go pick something up on my way out to run some errands or something. Mm-hmm. My kid's sick, so I was up early and I haven't eaten. Mm. It sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks. All right. A lot of people from Indiana keep calling. You want to do another Indiana caller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Indiana again? <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, doing the, the talk line. It's really cool. So, uh, you know what? We should probably uh, do this with everybody. Could you uh, tell us your name and uh, what you're up to? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name's Eric Fisher, and I work with uh, social media at a university, and I also podcast on the side at uh, beyondthetodolist.com. Hi, Eric. Thanks for calling. Yeah. So, I 
really want to say you guys did a great job with the whole uh, sleep episode, couple episodes, well, more than a couple. You did the summer series with the GTD, which was awesome as well. And the, the whole sleep thing got me thinking. My question is this. When it comes to energy, like mental or emotional or physical, say you find yourself suddenly in a you need more energy than you have to focus on the task at hand because maybe like your kids woke you up early with bad dreams or something. One, how do you deal with that? And two, if you notice that becoming a pattern, how do you assess where those like energy leaks are? I think it's a, I think it's a really terrific question. And as we've said numerous times on here, at least for myself, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, there's times when I don't get as much sleep as I should. But I mean, I just, the difference between getting decent sleep several nights in a row and not is like, you know, lightning in the lightning bug for me. It's a huge difference. Uh, specifically your question. Um, I mean, there's, there's a way to Kobayashi Maru that, I mean, I think the, the straight answer is, um, if you were, if you're a person like me and you're always feeling like historically in the past, I've always felt like, well, I always could use more energy and that got me into drinking too much coffee or staying up too late or, you know, which would then make me sleep in too late. I mean, I, I think I think that the, the, when I say Kobayashi Maru, you know, the Star Trek thing, I think when you go just slightly beyond the top level of that, you have to get to somewhere where you say something's, I've got to have less of this one thing in order to have more of this other thing, which sounds really obvious, except we all still try to jam so much into our day and then feel anxious about it that I think that flows over into giving you anxious sleep, which is not great sleep. And, you know... I guess the kind of obvious answer is you've got to figure out what can give. If you need a little bit more energy today, that's, you know, that's okay. You can find ways to do that. I can send you to a doctor that can help you with that. But, <laughs> but in the long run, um, for your sanity and for your physical health, I, I think you have to be somewhat mindful about if you've got things that require so much more energy of you, of you than you can um, generate organically, you don't have that many options. You've either got to do fewer of those things uh, or you've got to get into better shape. But, you know, it still really all comes back down to the number of things that you allow in. Do you, do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, you're, you're a social media person. So, like, you don't want to go out and just diarrhea every single thing onto Facebook and Twitter. You want to pick your shots, right? And I think it's the same thing with projects or, or any of your stuff. You know, anybody can handle too much stuff for a while. But if you do it for too long, you're going to get stressed out. You become less effective. Um, and you just become, I become a very unhappy zombie-like person if I do that. Does, does that kind of answer your question? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm looking for. What are you, uh, are you doing anything right now to try and get uh, better sleep or more energy? What do you, what do you do? Yeah, trying to, um, you know, get to sleep as soon as the kids are down, at least after, you know, the quality time with the wife happens. And uh, trying to... <laughs> quality time with the wife? I'm so going to use that. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, just trying to say no, knowing, knowing what I can say no to, to testing the grounds of what I can say no to in terms of protecting the time home and at work. Well, I, I hope it, uh, hope it gets, gets, uh, gets better for you. You know, you're, you're right in the middle of our uh, little wheelhouse though. I think you're, you know, when you're running up against that stuff, you're facing some of the basic stuff that, that we struggle with on the show here every week. You know, what can I afford to get rid of? What can I not afford to lose? You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Well, thanks for calling, man. Happy awesome. Indiana. Yeah. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thanks buddy. Take care. Nice so, people, Dan. Nice yeah. people. You have you have some uh, fairly nice listeners. 
So do you, buddy. What are you talking about? You're the star of the show. No, it's your show. No, it's actually your show. I checked. You know, you always set it so that your picture shows after the other host. That's Did right. you know that? Mm-hmm. Philadelphia. It's called, a, it's called a left join. <laughs> well, not quite Philadelphia. 215. Yeah, it's it's Richard A. again. Hi. Hey, Richard A. How's it oh, going, man? How's Richard A.? Good. We should tell we should tell uh, our listeners that Richard A is famous. Uh, he is uh, Richard A. You are the impetus for uh, Dan's favorite episode, episode seven. Is that correct? Uh, I, I guess so. I didn't I didn't know it was Dan's favorite. Um, wow. Yeah, well, it totally is my favorite. It's the definitive it's the episode, only, quintessential. It's the only one he likes. It's, yeah, I yeah. think it's the only it's, one. Well, it's actually, to be honest, it's the only one I've ever listened, listened to. to. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, totally. How's it going, man? What are you up to? I'm good. I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm skipping lunch with my coworkers uh, to do to do this. So. Sounds like a very wise decision. Do you want us to? Do you want us to send you something? Yeah, we, nah, we, we could order I'm, out. I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm off the call, head out. I mean, I'm in I'm in Midtown Manhattan right now, where I work now. So until look I'm at me, I'm Richard A. And I live in New York. <laughs> wow, that's exciting! And remind me what you're doing right now, Richard A. Uh, right now, I work for a uh, a startup company. Oh, I'm sorry, that's one computer playing music there. Uh, I work for a startup company in Midtown called Trust and Inside, and uh, it's cool stuff. I'm doing like their social media, their newsletter stuff. And so you're okay with where you are for now? Yeah, it, it, it's an improvement over where I was before. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, just so people know, you were our poster boy for, uh, what do we call it, quarter-life crisis? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it sucks. It's so funny. I mean, like nobody has any, it's like that Louis CK bit about like, nobody cares. Like when you're 40, it's like, shut up, do your job. I think there's a similar thing when you're in your early to mid twenties that you get kind of overlooked, right? Like at least, at least they're willing to put you in juvie if you're 16. But like, if you're 22 and can't figure stuff out and are like scared of everything, like you're kind of on your own and it's, it's a bummer. I'm excited for you then. Now, where were you living when you, um, when you were writing to us back, back, whatever, two years ago? Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I had, time, I had just started a, I had I'd spent a year pretty much out of work and I'd started a job with a, with the uh, state government of uh, Pennsylvania. So I wasn't a corporate stooge. I was a government stooge. Ugh. That's the worst kind. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's stooges and there's stooges. And that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, this, this, this wouldn't do. So, you know, I had no idea what I wanted. Uh, and to you guys for help. And I appreciate it a lot. You know, you were sort of the impetus. It, it took a little for it to really happen. But in August, I, I quit my job. Um, moved up to New York with my girlfriend. And I fell into this kind of this really cool gig. And you didn't die. Do you know what uh, I mean? Like, fact, isn't no. that kind of cool to know that, like, you could make it out of that and you're not actually dead? I haven't checked. I could, I, this could be the afterlife. You sound terrific. Can I just ask you one favor, Richard? We've got to take another call. But let me just ask you, literally, please, I'm begging you. Next time uh, you're really worried about your life, let us walk you through uh, your next uh, crisis. Maybe we can give you some bad advice again. Because, you know, it's probably going to go, uh, see, I'm going to quit cursing. I hope it keeps going well for you, Richard. And, uh... Thank you for being the animus for the uh, one episode Dan's heard. And it was, it's been nice visiting with you. I, you know, we're still kind of in touch on the internet a little bit. Not as much as I'd like. but yeah, occasionally on the, on the Twitters. But yeah. 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 And uh, if you, you like, too, do you like Devo? Is that you that likes Devo? He looks like he yeah. liked Devo, doesn't he? <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. Also, 
Take care, great, Richard. Bye-bye. Great day. Thanks again. Isn't that nice, Dan? Yeah, he's he's what we call in the talk radio business a chronic. Is that is that that uh, Dr. Dre thing? Was no, this is the, it's, it's related to that. I think it means they, li- they listen to everything and they call all the time. We should probably read the number again if you want to get on here. It's 512-518-5714. One more time. 512-518-5714. It's the quit line. Same line. <laughs> is that okay? Like for, for corporate reasons? Is that all right? We're using the same number? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. I want to should get. A, a, I want to put an eight hundred number on there. I just haven't bought one yet. You should get an eight six six. It's all the same. Okay, let's take another call. How about Iowa? Iowa, Iowa, you're on back to work. How's it going? Hey guys, my name is Trace. I uh, oh Merlin, I've been following your stuff from way back when you started out with that uh, Mac Break show, and always really enjoyed what you do. And at that time, I was working for a university. Um, working on uh, technology adoption in industry. And about three years ago, I broke away. And um, I I guess I don't really have a question um, per se at this point, but I just want to tell you guys that, uh, first of all, Dan, you're full of crud when you say that it's not your show because the way that you guys play (laughs) off each other is is phenomenal. And it's it's a lot of fun to listen to. you're... You're being nice. I appreciate Trace, it, but Trace, that's Dan, actually Dan not true. To, this is Dan Merlin's show. It's Merlin's goes, show. Dan has a dark place where he likes to sit, and so we we can't get him out of there. Sometimes we could throw a stake and maybe get his head to pop out, but he's a, it's a dark place. So so Trace, three three years ago, huh? And now are you what are you doing? Uh, so are you Stoogie? Are you non Stoogie? What what are you doing with yourself these days? Well, I feel you know, for the first year, almost a year and a half, I was really wandering in the wilderness. I had people that were interested in doing projects that I thought that I was capable of delivering for them. And at a certain level, because I was really successful, I, I have a, my challenge is that I'm an extremely successful business developer. That is, that sounds like a terrible, terrible challenge. You're really depressing me, dude. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Okay. When, when I work with somebody, I, I, I have that ability to be able to get in the meeting and, and do that thing and come up with new opportunities and all that kind of stuff. But from a technical um, delivery standpoint, I mean, my knowledge is basically stuff that I've picked up over the years and in an interest. My background, my education is is education. So I didn't study computer science. I didn't study, um, you know, the web or any of that stuff. I wasn't smart enough when I graduated in 93 to start, you know, actually looking to see how online forums worked rather than participating in them. So I've always had the challenge of trying to work with other people to make the thing happen. And being located in Iowa, maybe this is the question is, you know, we have real cities here. Okay. I mean, it's, hmm. the, you know, it's, you got, it's you got, you got like, corn in like, the writing program. <laughs> and I guess there's probably a couple airports. How does that work? Don't they do corn syrup there? Yeah. Uh, no, I think yeah, you're thinking of fructose. Well, you know, when when we get done growing potatoes and, and corn and tires, because everyone confuses Ohio and Idaho and Iowa, but at the end of the day, we have some incredible towns. I mean, I live in a great university town. Um, we have, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess progressive, if you want to use that word. Now, there is 10 inches of snow on the ground right now, but it's a good place to live. But my challenge is that 
there is talent in this area and there's definitely hardworking people, but sometimes it, it, it's frustrating because I end up working with people in Virginia or North Carolina or every once in a while, like in California or something like that. But I, you know, don't do a whole lot of that for a number of reasons, except for people that were from Iowa that moved to California. You should do a show on that. But, um, <laughs> What do you what do you find? I get frustrated by a, uh, a West Coast centric thing, and that's one of the things I'm drawn to your network, Dan, is because you know you went from Florida to Texas, right. and I feel like you you get the fact that this country has width. So, how do you expand your connections across a number of different disciplines, um, as far as like just getting to know people? and finding who you can work with that are experts that maybe are, you know, how do you connect? How do you experience Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, there's this, uh, there's this thing I picked up from an Annie Lamott book called uh, Bird by Bird. I don't know the exact source of this. Uh, it's probably somebody famous, but uh, somebody saying that, um, you know, that basically, you know, faith is like headlights that, you know, if you can just see like 50 feet in front of your car, you can drive across the whole country. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, that's a great approach to problem solving is that you don't need to understand everything about something. Yeah. What, what you might need is a rabbi. Like you need somebody who can be your, uh, your consultant and translator for learning what you need to learn next. I think that's a really overlooked thing. Uh, when we don't know a lot about a topic and when we wish we knew more about it, we can really, uh, especially given the web, the internet, we can immerse ourselves in that so deeply that we lose a little bit of track of what we, what specifics of that would be really useful to know. I, I feel that way about, you know, learning things with Unix. I said, it's sort of like that with Photoshop. You know, when you show somebody Photoshop, you might want to start them with how to save a document. And when they get good at that, you show them these five things that you're going to use a lot. You're going to use unsharp mask a lot more than you're going to use crystallize. That you need somebody, not you, but one needs somebody to show them like the most important things to know about this. So that's, that's what I would say. I mean, it's for, there's kind of two parts to the question. One is, one is how do you get the technology part? That You might have more people like that around you than you realize. It's just you don't have that infrastructure in place. I mean, every, everybody struggles with finding people they like to work with. But if you can, the thing is, you don't need to make all the connections. You kind of just need to start with the, I know you know this, you're a grown up. But I mean, start with the one connection of somebody that you trust and then build out in concentric circles. You know, the scattershot approach of like, ah, oh, the whole country, I, you know, will not, will not serve you well. But if you're good at biz dev, then you just need to connect up with people for whom you will be an excellent link in the chain, right? I mean, you know what I mean? There, it's sometimes even the best salesperson or biz dev person might be working in a crappy company with a crappy product. You know, you could, you, it seems to me like you just want to get into a place where you're connected with the... Uh, good links on either side. And that it takes time, but I would, you know, one, one bite at a time. You know what I mean? I don't know. Does that make any sense at all? Dan, did that make any sense, Dan? It makes sense to me. Okay. Hmm. The, uh, let me just throw in here just for a second. And then I'll get off here for you. But, uh, you know, like right now we're, we're launching a, um, we're in the process of, of mapping and launching a product. that's very specific to a, an industry, but we've identified the technology delivery. We have a hardware partner on it. Um, and it's in, in our in our channels are well developed because we're good at that stuff, right? But I need to find a really good, you know, Java um, HTML5 JavaScript um, programmer, and in, and in this area, and I keep getting drawn outside of this, this community to do it. But I just feel that that there's a, a value in it face to face. But I'm I'm starting to 
make some like, you know, this thing's real and this opportunities are real, but I'm being slowed down by the lack of the ability to find people. So I don't know. I guess I just have to. Well, we got we, we to actually take another call in a sec, but what I would say to that is is kind of just going back to my the, the previous thing I said, which is that maybe you're not the person who should be worrying about that. Maybe you are. You know your problem domain better than I do. But I would say, you know, you need, again, I don't want to say a rabbi, but you need you need somebody who can handle that world for you. And there might be somebody in the same way that you can be a good biz dev person. You know how to take you know, two different, uh, God, I'm doing a lot of douche talk today. But if you, if you can take two stakeholders and make it work together, then you're probably good at your job. And you might want to outsource that technology part of it to somebody, not the outsourcing of the actual work, but, you know, like I say, I mean, the thing is, if you meet one, one right person for any problem that you've got, not only will you make a friend, but the influence and the access will fan out from that person. So, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how best to do it. One thing is those, those folks are super in demand right now. I'm I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, I would try working the context you've got now and friends of a friend and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I would never confuse uh, you with Ohio because I'm from Ohio. So God bless you. Well, but, hey guys, keep up keep up the great work and don't hesitate to throw out book recommendations. Even you know I know you hate the self help stuff. But just expanding our knowledge, uh, you know, I read um, uh, the the bird bird by bird. Is that it? Yeah, that, that's a good know, one. As a, as a result of your recommendation, um, I've read. You know, obviously getting things done in, in a number of other books, and I like to hear the kind of thoughts that inspire you know people. So anytime someone throws out a really strong recommendation for a book, you know, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to read it. So I can we'll do that. We'll do that. We got a dashboard, but listen, uh, go pick up a copy of um, Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. That's your next one. Okay. Okay. Take we'll care, do. buddy. Thank we'll you. Do. Thanks, guys. Bye. You're way too nice to let him stay on like that, Merlin. Yeah. It's your show. Well, you think we should be going faster? Like, it'd be, be mean? I'm saying like we got people on, on hold show? for 25 minutes. Okay, I'm watching let's go. the let's go. calls chop, drop. Chop. Callers dropping no, off like flies, be. you know? Okay. Got nowhere to be. Go. Go. Man. Holiday's been tough on you. Well, I'm just with the callers. You got to, you know, you got to take a call. You got to move on. Okay. Ring the bell. Let's go. Next call. 50, let's 56 go. minutes. We've still got a lot of people on there. All right. Let's go. I'm ready. What's all with these Midwest? I mean, uh, can't. Kansas? Isn't Kansas calling us? Did you accidentally sit on something? Why are you so angry today? Hey, Kansas, how are you? Good. First time talker. Uh, yeah. Uh, at first, I wanted to just thank you guys for, for, especially Merlin, for talking about the time you spend with your kid and reading and uh, as, a, as a dad. I wish Merlin was that, my dad. He's the, be, he's the best dad. No, I'm a terrible dad, but well, thank I you for saying I that. Think... I'm sorry. What is your name? Tell us your name, please. If you don't mind. Oh, this is David. Hi, David. David from Kansas City. So um, that's where Charlie. I think Charlie Parker uh, lived there for a while. Don't you guys have that airport where to get from one part of the airport to the other part of the airport, you have to go out of the airport and then back into the airport? Yes, exactly. You got you well, in their big circles, so you just you, you ride around in circles all day. Yeah. So that's, and you got to go through security. Awful. So like if you if you if you make the mistake of going through security and you're thirsty, you want to buy a bottle of water, you want to get some, you know, gluten free pretzels or something, you got to go back out of security. And then go buy it, and then you go. To, you have to then you pee, and then you get to go back in through the security again. This is why no one should ever go yeah. to Dallas or Hawaii. Was Dallas yeah, like and, that? Well, and especially if you, especially if you want to get good barbecue, then you got you, you definitely have to leave security. You then, don't want so. to get the barbecue at Dallas. 
It, it's it's no. just Bud Lights and uh, Details Magazine. Hmm. So uh, so what's going on, man? No, well, I was just saying, I, I wanted to thank you for re- telling me uh, the stories of you reading with your kids. That's, I mean, that's awesome. That's something I, I do with my with my son. Um, and just a, a quick recommendation, something that, that I've read with him and he loves is uh, Zeta the Space Girl. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But no. How do you spell that? Z-E-D-A? Uh, Z-I-T-A. Zeta the Space Girl. Yeah. I'll yeah. totally check yeah. it out. Oh, that looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you know what? You know what, Dan? That's that a good one. idea. We should talk about some cool kids' books because you know be we're cool. always looking when we're not reading a comic. We're always looking for another good one. And mm-hmm. you know, one cool thing is like when when your friends have kids, you can like you know buy them the books that you've enjoyed. You know, so you get everybody gets sixteen copies of Good Night Moon. You know, <laughs> you you can no, you use them to use them at uh, Christmas time to fuel the fire. No, I I I, uh, I really enjoy it a lot. I, I crack wise about this, but I love reading anything um, with our kid, and it's fun. Like when now when we're reading something and she'll go, I'll be in the middle of reading something. She'll go, stop. Let me read. No, when we get to no, I'm like, okay. And, she, <laughs> and she's like, just picking up words, and it's it's totally exciting. Can I ask how old your son is, roughly? Yeah, he's he's seven. He'll be he'll be eight in May, but uh, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, he's, he he, lo- he loves that stuff. He loves that and Mouse Guard and. Uh, uh, we just started Mouse Guard. Uh, now, does that get super violent? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I read the, we read the winter one. I don't, I can't remember. It's like, a we're reading like it's mouse guard and a number, but it's pretty good. Dan, it's mice with swords. <clears throat> no, I know all about mouse guard. Got quite a bit oh. of it. Okay. Well, I want to talk more about that. It's really cool. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear you reading it. I didn't, for some reason I thought you had looked at it and didn't want to get into it, but it's great. Well, we never, mouse guard talked- is amazing. Yeah. I like those guys. Amazing. They got little different personalities. <laughs> well, listen, Dan says we got like real people. mice. Hmm? Just like real mice. Hmm. <laughs> okay, listen, we got to take more calls. Dan's yelling at me. But thank you, thank you so much for calling in. Zeta the Space Girl, I'm going to check it out. Yep. Take Surprised care, you didn't know about uh, Zeta. There's so many things I don't know about Dan. Every day I learn, I grow. Bulbous. 512-518-5714. Number to call. Number to dial. 512-518-5714. Now these guys have all been on hold about the same amount of time, Merlin. So I'm gonna, okay. uh, I'm gonna see uh, which what area codes they are, and just pick. Okay, pick, first pick one. First one is Atlanta. Okay. Second one, California's Kern County. Kern County, which is part of LA, I guess. Hmm. And Dallas. Let's just jump in. You know what? Which I feel one bad do you want? You, you pick Let's- it. Let's, let's start with Dallas. I feel bad for Dallas. Hi, Dallas. Are you there? Yeah, Dallas. Hello there. Hi, who are we talking to? Can you to? hear me? We hear you great. Here, uh, this, is, this is Alex. I'm, uh, I'm in Plano, Texas, which is actually a suburb just north of Dallas. Yeah, I know all about, all about Plano. Perot Systems, claim to fame. Exactly. It's just opened a big museum with his name on it. And yep. uh, I used to live in Austin, actually, Dan, so I'm glad that uh, you finally made it over there where the barbecue is actually good. Oh, yeah, you don't have anything good out there in Dallas? It's good, but it uh, doesn't hold a candle to Salt Lake, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, big fan of the show, obviously, been listening to you guys since the very beginning. Uh, and um, I had a question having to do with uh, creative autonomy. Um, basically, here's the situation. I'm a copywriter. I've been at an ad, an ad agency here in the Dallas area for going on seven years now been in the business for almost 15 years. And through that uh, long stint, I feel like I've built up a lot of uh, 
how shall I say, uh, credit. I've worked through, I've gotten a lot of uh, experience. I've proven myself time and time again. And uh, through the years, I feel like I've been given a little more rope to make some of my own creative decisions. Um, However, recently we had a situation where we lost one of our major clients, which entailed a lot of layoffs. And uh, I was one of the lucky ones who got kept on, which was always nice, especially in this economy. But uh, the end result is, uh, at least I get the feeling now that we're starting to contract a little bit, the people in charge are are reducing autonomy or are taking a little more charge over uh, everyone's uh, business, micromanaging, if you will. And I was just curious to know how you guys felt, both, both Dan and Merlin, how best to manage a situation like this and, and try to retain whatever autonomy uh, I may have had over my own work. Well, it's a, it is definitely a tough situation. And I think anytime that you, in that case, if you lose one of your anchor tenants, it, it is going to make you a little bit more timid about taking risks, probably as a, as a manager or an owner. Um, I think one way to look at almost every problem in business is to figure out um, how can I put this is to figure out, I mean, one way to look at it from one's own point of view is to say, what could I be doing to help somebody? But that can sometimes be a little flaccid. I think a better way to look at it is like, Hmm, what is the problem this person didn't know they need solved or, you know, basically how, how can I, how can I become essential? Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, the, from, from your point of view, I'm not, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. From your point of view, you look at it from a standpoint of having less creative autonomy. Uh, from their point of view, they're wondering how they're going to keep the lights on. And so maybe maybe one thing to do is to, I don't know if you have colleagues you work alongside of that you, you're willing to undermine, but one way to do it would be to make yourself so essential by taking care of something that nobody likes taking care of or that somebody is sick of taking care of and and... There's kind of two parts to it. So I don't know if that's making sense, but I always feel like the people who end up doing great in a company aren't people who like ask for stuff or, you know, are wondering, you know, their career. I think the people who tend to thrive and move up in an organization have a certain kind of self-sustaining entrepreneurial spirit of their own, like setting aside money, setting aside, you know, blah, blah, funding, but like have this bootstrapping sense of like, well, I'm just going to always be doing the coolest thing I can think of. And I'm going to move up in this place because you know what I mean? You're not asking permission to do stuff. So I don't know how to give you more control over what you're making, but if you want to keep your credibility high and get people to trust you, I think it obviously it helps to, to show up and wear pants and do things on time, but also to maybe start on your own, just start doing something you don't see somebody else doing or just start taking care of something that's not getting taken care of. I don't know if that's you know germane. But everybody gets timid, including you and me. We get timid when the economy gets bad. We get timid when there's fewer people working and the workload gets spread across more people. You know, the I'd like to hear Dan's answer. Um, uh, but but the mine mine would be to keep growing in that job. And you've been there for a pretty long while now. Uh, if you want to keep growing there, if you can keep growing there, it's going to be you're going to have to find a way to become essential to them. I think. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean th- that's the key. The the, the word essential. And that's what people who are in this kind of job should be striving for. And it's, it's, it's a tricky place to be. And how long have you been there again? Seven years. Uh, yeah, going on seven years. I mean, you know, back, back in my, my grandparents' day, you know, you'd, you'd find a job and that was just your job. That's just what you did. And the only reason you might think about leaving there was, you know, may, maybe the company goes out of business or something, which... 
I, I don't know if it happened more or less than it does now, but you know, my granddad had like one job. He got promoted within the job, but like he worked at one place his whole career, his whole life. Ditto. Same thing actually for the most part with, for, for my parents as well. My dad had one job. My mom had, uh, you know, since for like the last 20, almost 30 years, one job. You know, well, and, and so it's like a new, and when I started working, I would always, I, I was like, you know, I'd go do a contract. I'd work at one place for a little while, work at another place for a little while. And even when I was doing full-time stuff, I still would shift around a lot. And I wish I hadn't done that. I think career-wise it was good because I got to learn a lot of different things. But I wish I just stuck around. I wish hmm. I had found a place where I was happy and a job that could change around me and somewhere that I could have gone and said, you know what? I like what I'm doing. I like the people that I work with. I'm compensated pretty well. And there's opportunity for me to change and learn and grow within that organization. And if you're, are you saying you found that? Do you feel like you found that? Do you feel like there's that potential for you? Well, you know, it's always hard to say, right? Because the grass always seems like it could be greener, but to be quite it's honest. It's not greener. Uh, it's not greener. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> when I look back uh, and, over and all just, the stupid changes I made, you know, the only ones that I feel like I should have made were, were things where I couldn't improve it from the inside out, where I couldn't grow it from the inside out, you know, like where I couldn't, right. I couldn't affect some kind of a change. And back in those days, I didn't know that that was even possible. And I don't know what it's like to be uh, new in today's world. I don't know what that's like because the last time I was new was, you know, 15 plus years ago. Right. So I don't know what it's like to be in a company and be like, wow, I've been here for X number of years, but I'm still kind of new at what I'm doing in, in general, which by the way, if you've only been working, how many years have you been working? Uh, I would say about uh, 14, 15 years. So you're now. like, you're in, you're in with us and you've been a place for seven years. So you know the value of finding a place that val they value you. Yeah, I mean, I've stuck around for a reason. I'll say that. What would you change? What's the one thing that you would change if you could change yeah. it right now? Honestly, I, again, I think it comes back to just feeling like I have the trust from the people in command to run my own show sometimes. Obviously, there's going to be situations in which I'm going to require a little more scrutiny from the people in charge. But just to, to have that ability to call my own shots a little bit more often. And, and again, I feel like I've tasted that during the, the, the fat years of the past couple of years. And now I, I worry that it's going to go back a little bit more to the way it once was where everything I did was more scrutinized. I got, um, I got a little tip for you. We should probably take another call in a sec. Um, but what, what, I, what I would suggest is to then ground that feeling in something practical and useful. Um, and, and to, I mean, with, with respect, take some of the focus off yourself and what you want and try to figure out, I mean, you know what I mean? You should still get what you want, but you should be cagey about it. And <laughs> next time something comes along, if you're not getting, it sounds like the way you're describing this, it sounds like hopefully you're not just moping and saying, oh, I don't get to do cool stuff anymore. It sounds like you're saying you actively feel like you're having less of a role in something. Okay. Well, you might want to take a step back and say, well, why, ha why is that happening? But maybe even more germane, you, you, next time that happens, you might either want to like, if you can directly address that with somebody, but in the context of saying, hey, I could be doing more here for you. I could be doing more for the company. You know what I mean? They're, that's a great, that's a great bit of advice. You know, as you certainly know, after seven years, they're not your mom. It's, it's, it's going to be a matter. No, I, I don't mean it's not unkind, but, but that I've, I've felt that way before where I was like, oh my God, I'm in this job and I, I work so hard. 
you know, at one, time, at one point in this one job I had, I was working like, eh, it was unusual to work 60, some 80 hour weeks. And uh, it was, I kept thinking like, oh my gosh, why am I not more X? You know, and I'd been there for a long time. And I mean, one of the things that I eventually had to accept, I'm not saying this is you, but like one thing I eventually had to accept was that I had reached the peak of what I was, it was as much as I could conceivably make and the most responsibility I could conceivably have at that particular job. It's nothing, it's just that I kept looking at them going, hey, I should be going to, I should be able to, if I stay here for 20 years, I should see this, this trend line in income and responsibility go up. Well, they don't need that. They already have people doing that. They needed, you know, low to mid-level worker bees like me to do it. And it's one reason, as you say, in a bad economy, it's so hard on people in their, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, because you can go out and find somebody really cheap to do the same work. So you might even want to look at a, at a kind of a broader, take a step back and look at it even broader and say, like Dan says, well, what, what would you, what would you, what do you want to be doing? And rehearse that where you are now. Because if you're good at what you do, you could be good at what you do lots of different places. It just might be a matter of making a leap beyond the practitioner work that you've done for seven years. I don't know if you want to do that, if you want to manage, if you want to lead a team, but that's that I would, you know, I would take a step back and, and wherever possible, try to reflect it back onto what you can do to, to make things better for the company. Because if you're going to work for a company, you're going to be rewarded or acknowledged based on how much you bring. And if you're bringing plus or minus 20%, the same amount each year, it, it may not really have you shooting up the ladder in the same way that you'd like. Seven years is a long time, my friend. That's a long time to be at a job these days. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, guys. That was well, listen, actually, uh, thank, thanks, thanks a million for calling. Incredibly helpful, and and as always, I love you guys. We love you too. I love you too. Dan, Dan, Dan puts up with you, but I love you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Bye. We'll take another call, Dan. Yeah. Why don't we do? We've got okay. Well, let's cut it off. We got two two more calls. We'll do. What really? Two more okay. calls. Well, all right, I can take more if you want to. Well, we've only got two. Hmm. But I'm thinking right. we we cut it off now. All right. Unless you want to do more, you got to get those people to call in. 512-518-5714. Hey, listen, if you're one of my stupid friends on the internet, why don't you call? Like, if you're somebody I know, like, don't be a dingus. Call. Like, be frank. What are you doing? You're sitting there with your knitting in your hand. Why don't you call us? <laughs> oh, hey, how's, how's it going? Who, who are we talking to? Who is this? This is Roberto from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. How you doing there, guys? Roberto. Hey, Roberto. Roberto. Como estas ustedes? ¿Cuándo van a hacer un... Anyway, you guys are awesome. Uh, of course, everybody's, uh, you know, telling you that, and I just want to reiterate it. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, what I want to just say is just, um, uh, I, what do you guys think about loyalty to a, to a job or to a career? Um, it's not. It's non-existent in 2013. That's what I think about it. <laughs> and that, and that's kind of what I was, you know, suspecting because, you know, I've I've got a, I've got two opportunities where, you know, I can I can move on and and do what I want to do, where I want to do it, but not in the, I guess you could say geolocations of where I want to be. So, it's just, just, I guess, just uh, thinking about know, that make you feel disloyal. Yeah, you know, where where I'm at now, you know, has given me the opportunity to be the practitioner and and, and do what and be good what I'm good at, but I know that the uh the roles and the responsibilities uh become stagnant because you know, y there are other people that can do the other things. So, I do have to either 
you know, do a lateral move somewhere else in the organization, which, you know, I don't, it doesn't exist at that time. The, the position doesn't exist at this time. Or I can go mm-hmm. up and go somewhere else where, you know, right now there is an opportunity for me to do that. But being at the place where I'm at now, you know, you know, thinking about what you guys were just talking about with the other calls, you know, if you're going to spend, you know, X amount of years at a company, you know, why not just spend that time there and be loyal and be good at what you need to be good at and move up or go do what you want to do and hop around. And that's kind of, I guess, the uh, dilemma that I have in my mind is, you know, it's been four years now and this is the place where I started and this is the place where I've been able to move up. Um, So do I move up or do I stay and think that there's opportunity of moving up is still going to be there four years from now or, you know, go somewhere else and see how things work out. It sounds like you've got a good heart. Um, especially, you know, if, if they really need you there, it's cool that you think that, um, and feel that way. That's, that's very humane of you. I think, I think most people in general tend to jump to one end of a continuum or the other, maybe both at different times in their life. At one end of the continuum, much more commonly for most folks, um, is, oh my God, I need this job so much. I will die if I don't have this job. I will do anything to keep this job. I have done that. Dan has done that. We have all done that. We've all been there. At the other side of the continuum, you become like a raging psychopath and you go like, I'm going to like, I'm just going to have this as long as I can. And then I'll steal a bunch yeah. of office supplies and leave. And I don't want to be and that there, guy. <laughs> there's certainly, there's a million places in between, but we think about loyalty and what loyalty means. Um, it's funny. My do- actually, my daughter was asking what that means yesterday. Really weird. Um, but loyal. Think about loyalty this way. Um, we can all feel good about being loyal to somebody who has been good to us in the past that we have um, good feelings and a history with. But where it's stayed healthy, I mean, you know, having loyalty to someone who abuses you—not in your case—but I mean, there are a lot of people who feel really loyal to somebody who doesn't deserve that loyalty. And then there are some people who are just kind of whatever, emotionally unavailable and never really stick to anybody. But at the end of the day, it does have to be your decision about it. And I'm not going to pull, I don't want to pull out that whole like, oh, but like if there were layoffs that, you know, you might be the first against the wall, although that's always the chance. But the thing is like, in order for you to be, in order for you to maintain your strength and autonomy as a practitioner, you have to remember that at the end of the day, you are always a free agent. You're just, you just happen to be a free agent who works in that place today. Yeah. And that's a great thing. It's great. It's great to have those options and to be wanted, you know, but I think in any situation, yeah, loyalty matters, but it's got to be loyalty in the context of sanity and in the context of, of the wider world. And, you know, one thing that mitigates against the hurts, not hurts all of us, but one thing we all have to face is we are getting older especially me. And it's like God, every day, so I'm true. so old. I'm the <laughs> oldest person that's been on this show yet. No, but the reason I say that is that there's, there's, I would not say that there is a zero cost to things staying the same. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound scary or something, but staying at the oh, same no. place out of loyalty is, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, like Dan says, you know, it's, it's such a weird mix to know when you should stay and when you should go and somewhere in between. Um, but the, the trouble is the world keeps moving on you know, even if we decide to stay where we are. So consider the costs from those different angles. Now, that, now you can weigh that in two different ways. The one way is to say, hey, the world's a big, scary place where things are changing. I should stay here because I'm, I'm safe. And that's totally understandable. You don't want to become careless about it. All I'm saying is that, you know, it, I, I guess we, we joke about how Dan and I differ a little bit on the whole quit thing, but I, I hope this is something we could agree on, uh, maybe, which is the idea that like, whatever you decide to do, like have you be the person who made that decision. 
You know, it isn't really, it's not so much a matter of saying, oh, go quit your job or go not quit your job or anything in between. But remember that like, regardless of what happens, you have the ownership of that, whether you like it or not. And so in your case, loyalty, that's awesome. So maybe that loyalty is you go to them and say, here's the kind of role I'd like to have in the next six months. I'm willing to stay here and make this happen. Um, I, one thing I would never do, just because I've never seen it work, is the whole personal, as I've never seen this work. I'm sure it has worked. Thing I would be cautious about is the whole, hey, you know, I could go down the street and go do this thing. <laughs> because that is the opposite of loyalty. That's blackmail. And like, unless you're Ricky Roma, like that's very hard to pull off. So Ricky if you're going to make a break, if you're going to make a break, <laughs> make a clean break. But remember that like wherever you go, you're kind of on your own, no matter what, even, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that, that's all I would say. But, but I, but I, re- I, uh, I applaud your good heart for having loyalty to the people that have uh, helped you out. But you know, it's, you might outgrow it's not them, the first you know? time. That's that's just that's not the first time. Cause you know, four years ago, I made the same decision when I left the military, you know, and then that's what makes it, you know, I'm like back in the same of, oh man, should I not go? Should I reenlist? Should I stay? And, you know, it's just this loyalty that you have and the camaraderie you have with the people you work with and not technically with the job itself, but, you know, it's... How long were you in? Uh, me, I was in uh, from 02 to 2006. 2006. Oh, was it, so was it for a, like a, not RTC, but were you, was it a college deal? Were you staying for so long? No, no, no. I was, for... I was active duty. I was active duty Marine Corps. So that's why I always, I always like listening to you guys. Whoa, I was like you're a Marine? You. I was like listening to you, you know, procrastinate Marines. <laughs> I, so doing what? I, like I, have, I have tremendous respect for Marines. I, I have never worked for a Marine where every Marine I've worked for, I, like I may not have loved them, but I knew where I stood. And I'm not saying Marines are perfect or anything. I have a huge amount of respect for Marines though. I, and like, you know, please don't hit me. No, seriously. Like I, I, all, so many of the people I've worked for, it wasn't like whiny guys who went to, you know, <laughs> Ivy League universities. Some of the best people I've worked alongside and under were people in the military because they understood it's a dog pack. Everybody needs to know their job. And that is something so many people are timid about. And in the Marines, right? You know, you want the hard beds and the cold chow and all that. Like I, I have infinite respect for that. And I wonder if that's a part of the source of your loyalty is the Semper Fi. Do you think in some ways? Yeah, it, it is. You know, it's like, you know, I was given the opportunity here. I was given the start here, you know, when I got out and, you know, now it's, you know, that I was promoted to other positions and, you know, be, be, I was exposed to the other, to other, uh, to other opportunities. So, you know, I don't feel as if that I've hit the peak here. It's just that I know that, you know, right. yeah, I could go out and do do more somewhere else. I could be a part of other things somewhere else, you know, and spend more time with my family, you know, and, that, and that's the other thing too, so. Roberto, we should go, but I have to tell you one anecdote. Um, I was heavily recruited by the Marines uh, during my, uh, what would you call it, my gap year, the year that I sat on my ass and w- butt, sorry, and watched Jeopardy uh, for a year. And at one point I went into the... Um, the Marines, they brought me into the recruitment office and they said, look, we've seen your ASVAB scores. You can have any job you want here. I was like, oh yeah, you know, my frick, my friend Rick just uh, just joined uh, something. I guess he joined the Air Force. He says, well, you should tell your friend Rick to get some oil rags to keep the ants off his candy ass. <laughs> because everybody's Arlie Ermy. But but thank you, Roberto. We, I appreciate your call and I, I wish you great luck with your practicing uh, there or otherwise. All right, guys. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Take care, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Merle. Take care, so. Bye-bye. Um, I like that guy. I like Roberto. You want to take one more? Yeah. You know, the one thing that occurs to me, it might be a good topic for us to talk about mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about. It is loyalty. Have we ever talked about that? No. It's, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think it's, about it. I mean, 
It's interesting because it's super duper. We've talked about responsibilities. Yeah. And power. And power. (laughs) And the fact that you've never had a single moment thought about my responsibilities. Right. But we have never really talked to... Let's do an Uncle Ben episode. uh, I mean, I just, I think that's a really interesting topic because where, where is loyalty in 2013? You know what would be... Where where is making a commitment to something... It would be soon. I totally Gone. agree. But you know what? We're into something that is a would be a huge, interesting thing. Not not to do all in a row, but something we don't actually get into that much, which is just emotions. Like, what is the role uh, that? It sounds silly, but like that guy right there, he's got a heart. And you know how how do our we've talked about this some, I guess. But loyalty is is in some ways very based in a certain emotion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you were just if you were just you know work bot. You would you would have a different approach to that, but you know when you take into account all of these other things, that's I'm going to capture that loyalty. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a fun topic. Got it, got it. You want to do you want to do one more? Yeah, let's take the this last one we got here. Last one. That's it. That's that's the only people that called. That's not who, only no 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 not only I'm not being that guy, but I mean, do uh, you think we're losing them, Dan? Are we losing them? Other people are calling in now, but no, I mean it's calling. This is what I've been telling you. This is yeah. why I, it took me so long to be able to get quick going. Mm. Is uh, now we got two more people calling. Yeah, hang on. It's because <laughs> it get there's a ratio they teach you about in uh, in RTV class. RTV, okay. And, right. uh, I don't know All if right. I don't know if it's one in a thousand or something, but but it, it's it's a it's a small number. The percentage of people that will actually call in uh, based on the number of listeners. I I know this is not right, but it's something like for every thousand listeners, you get one caller. So the fact that that I know we've had more callers than than that number. You know what I mean? It says a yeah, lot. So, so, so don't good. be down on yourself. Be happy that myself. our callers not, are so engaged. I'm proud of our work. Who are we talking to? Who is that? Hi, this is Simon from Switzerland. Nice. Hi, Simon. Thank you for calling. My goodness, that's far away. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. It's, it's our pleasure. What's going on, Simon? Um, so I wanted to ask you, Merlin, um, about the horizons of focus in GTP. I'm sorry. Say, say, the, say that again. The the horizons of focus in GTP. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So I always struggle with the higher up level. So twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand. So um, my question is, how do you um, manage these levels, and how do you keep track of them? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so what Simon's talking about, I, if I understand correctly, is you're talking about a concept in GTD that, in my opinion, is heavily overlooked, uh, including being overlooked by me for a long time, which is the idea that uh, we covered this kind of a little bit two or three episodes ago. But if you think about the work that's on your desk right now, on your plate, if you like, you could think of that as in terms of like an air, airplane metaphor. That's the runway level, right? You, got, you go up to 10,000 feet, and that's the project level. You go up into your areas of responsibility and so on and so forth. And so you, I have a task on my desk right here, which is go by Benadryl for my kid. That's a task. That's part of this project, which is help my daughter not feel sick. And that's part of my job as a father and part of father and so on and so forth. And I think if I understand your question, what, uh, in, inside of these um, altitudes, if you're just focusing on the getting these things done aspect of GTD, it can feel surprisingly easy to lose track of those higher things. And these are things like, uh, what do I want to be doing a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? And are there even, for that matter, are there whole different, if I want to change my job, that's a lot more than a today task. 
So if all I ever do is look at these tasks on my desk, I'm never going to get to these other things I maybe should or could do. And uh, is that is that kind of your question? Is like, how do you get up to those up in the clouds things? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the question also is about when you say, okay, I want to change my job or I see my job going into another direction. How do you to, do you keep track of that? Do, do you write that down and do you re- right. review that regularly or how do you do that? I think it's a good question, Simon. Um, I think uh, I, I can't speak for David, uh, but but the way I would think about that is that, well, and I, I'm copying some of this straight from David, but, it, you know, if you're doing a thorough uh, mental sweep and a thorough series of reviews, you'll start noticing things that keep coming up. And it might be, I mean, for a lot of people, it could be something like, oh my gosh, I've gained all this weight since I started taking this job. And it's easy enough to say, I'm not going to worry about that. I mean, I don't mean to always bang on these same things, but there are things that we all have these recurring thoughts in our head that like what? Get more sleep, uh, eat better. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many people like your new year's resolutions, uh, of like drink more water. Like everybody says that and hardly anybody does it because it feels it's easy enough to not do. And there's not a handle onto that. That's as easy as here's somebody who sent me five emails about this thing. And I, I think the, I think the way to do that is to give yourself, if you can get out of the stress, if you've gotten to GT in GTD, gotten to where you're not stressed out all the time and you can do a good review and a good mental sweep, start let, let your mind be a little more flexible about what those kinds of things are because they are out there. There is stuff that you'd probably like to do or should do. On the one end of like to do, that might be that you want to travel more. You know, maybe you want to pop over to France for, for a little visit. Um, and then there's much higher up stuff. Maybe you should be thinking about retirement. Maybe you should think about, you know, all these, gosh, all these things I just I hate even having to think about. But what the part of what makes GTD so great is regardless of how lofty, huge, far away, overwhelming anything is, if you think it through as far as you can for now, you will come up with a specific task for that. And that's the way that you get it in motion and then keep it in motion. If it's, Once you've identified these higher level things, and I hope I'm making the case for what these kinds of things are, but once you're aware of those things, it's the same process as that email that's been bugging you, which is to come up with a physical action that keeps you moving in that direction. For me, a lot of times, let's go Google something, you know, maybe it's go read a book. But the thing is that that thing will, will keep bouncing around in your head, even if you kind of don't acknowledge it. The way to keep it in motion is to do those reviews, and in my opinion, and then just make sure that if there, if there is anything bigger than you that you're thinking about, find a way to concretize it by turning it into tasks that, that you can do. It sounds so insipid, but I think that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. Does, does that sort of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So do you also think that's kind of an age thing also that you might if you're younger you might not know what what the higher up levels are or yeah or they certainly they will change but I, I mean i don't want to sound sage or something but no I, I think that absolutely changes with age um if there's anything that's frustrating to me that I don't miss about being pubescent, teenaged, and in my early 20s, it was the amount of time that I spent obsessing over things where I had no idea how much I was trying to solve the wrong problem, or I was worrying about something that only bothered me, or I was not worrying enough about something that I should have been thinking about. It's really hard to know what those things are. 
And so I, I think, but the thing that's true at any age is that we, it's easy to get so wound up in the day-to-day stuff and dashing from one thing to another that we don't take a minute to step back and say, well, what should I be paying attention to that I'm not paying attention to right now? Because if all you do is pay attention to the same stuff and iterations of that, you never really grow. And so, you, you know, sometimes we get dragged kicking and screaming into the next stage of life. I know I certainly have been at every stage, but I think one way to do that is if you're from a GTD standpoint is to just make sure that, that you're kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say it, like letting your mind unwind a little bit, right? If all you do is sit around and scribble a million tasks about this job that you hate, that's not going to let you get the self-awareness that there are other things you should be thinking about. And so, yeah, maybe it can be a problem when you're younger, but I think at any age, we can fool ourselves into believing that everything we need to do is late and on our desk. And if we don't take that step back periodically to look at that larger context and whether we even want to have this desk anymore, whether that's your job or whether that's like a bad family situation or anything, you know, if, if, it, if it hurts to think about it, it's probably a good thing to at least address a little bit. But it's a, it's a really good question. I think it's one of the most challenging parts. I think reviews are the hardest part of GTD in many ways. But the higher altitude stuff really forces you to move into areas that can feel very foreign and feel very kind of inchoate and chaotic. So, um, but they're worth doing. So, so thanks, thank, uh, Simon, right? Is that right? Yeah, Simon, yeah. Simon, what's your first language? Uh, Swiss German, actually. Is that like was Alsace Lorraine? Where is that? Sorry, uh, Alsace Lorraine. Where where is that? Is that in uh, Switzerland? I France. don't know where it is. Sorry, Germany. Huh, huh. That's where Max von Sydow's character is from in uh, Three Days of the Condor. Anyway, Simon, man, thank you for calling us. You're our last call of the day, so uh, I guess you 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 should win a prize. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you, Dan, for uh, Five by Five and Merlin for your stuff. Everything, writing, speaking. Thanks yeah. for thanks for listening, man. Take care. What a nice guy. Yeah, people in Switzerland are nice and they're smart. Uh, they are taciturn. Uh, they're all five feet eight, eight inches tall. They uh-huh. own clocks. Uh-huh. Uh, they have short pants. Sometimes one pair of long pants. Hmm. Um, most of them have had a mustache at some point in their life, but not now. They enjoy chocolate and breaded things and traveling in automobiles, zip lines, uh, raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, <sighs> mittens, string. <laughs> okay. Wow. What do you think? What do you think? That, that, that was kind of weird, huh? No, I loved it. Really? Loved every minute. Yeah. Except the first caller was just went on and on. I, you know what? That's I 90 wish minutes of solid, I wish solid I could help, you, dispensing help. I wish I help. could give you like a super penetrating back rub right now. Unlike a lot of men, I don't believe that I give good back rubs, but but <laughs> I think even a terrible back rub would help you right now. No. I want to really get in there. I want to get in the shiatsus with you. No, back's loose and fine. Hmm. Thanks for the yeah. offer. I'll take you up on it sometime. You got it, buddy. All right. So this is our first call-in show. Uh, I loved it. And, uh, I thought it was a stellar. Yeah. I think if I did it more, I'd get better at it. You were very good at it. So the idea of you getting better at it is difficult to imagine. It's sickening. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, me everybody. thanks everybody. I, you know what? This Maybe this would be a good quarterly thing. Uh, at what? least quarterly. Maybe maybe more than that. Maybe every... I mean, we don't need to wait 100 Start more a episodes. new show. Is the caller there? It could be a new show. 
I like, but I like doing this because, you know, we get, we get a lot of email, but hearing the, the people's voices and knowing that they get the chance to talk to you and get advice, I, I love it. They seem a lot less like jackals when you're talking to them. It really humanizes them. Hmm. 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 Thanks for doing this, Dan. You want to button it up? All right. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man. I know I speak for all the callers. Oh. 